A reading from the book of the prophet Zechariah. Sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion. See, I am coming to dwell among you, says the Lord. Many nations shall join themselves to the Lord on that day, and they shall be his people, and he will dwell among you, and you shall know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. The Lord will possess Judah as his portion in the Holy Land, and he will again choose Jerusalem. Silence, all mankind in the presence of the Lord. He stirs forth from his holy dwelling. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. The Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. For he has looked upon his lowly servant. From this day, all generations will call me blessed. The Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. The Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. He has mercy on those who fear him in every generation. He has shown the strength of his arm. He has scattered the proud in their conceit. The Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his He has cast down the mighty from their thrones, and has lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. The Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his He has come to the help of his servant Israel, for he has remembered his promise of mercy the promise he made to our fathers, to Abraham and his children forever. The Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is Dominus Fabiscum, Lexia Sancti Evangelii Secundum Matteum, While Jesus was speaking to the crowds, his mother and his brothers appeared outside wishing to speak with him. 
Someone told him, your mother and your brothers are standing outside asking to speak with you. But he said in reply to the one who told him, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand toward the disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my heavenly father is my brother and sister and mother. Verbum Domini. Today we celebrate the feast of the presentation of the Blessed Virgin Mary, the presentation of Mary in the temple by her parents. <clears throat> they dedicated her to God as part of tradition and were giving her uh, to the Lord. And she, of course, would follow up with that with the entirety of her life, giving herself to God without reserve. It was an ancient feast in the Eastern Church became a feast later in the West. It was first placed in the breviary by Gregory XI in the 1300s. Mary lived this dedication to God or consecration uh, throughout her life, you know, consecrating herself body and soul. We see this in the, the mystery of her vow of virginity that we see in the Annunciation when Archangel Gabriel came to her and said, you know, rejoice or hail, full of grace, um, and announce the good news about the plan of God to her. And we're told that she was betrothed at this point, yet she asked, you know, she was told she would conceive and bear a child. She said, how can this be since I have no husband? And then Gabriel explains to her, there was the overshadowing of the Holy Spirit, that she's going to conceive and have this, this fruitfulness. So... That question implies, as John Paul II and many others have interpreted, that she had an intention to, to remain a virgin, even though she was betrothed. She was technically married at that point. So normally, if it was just going to be a normal marriage, you know, children would be expected. But she asked, how could this be? Not doubting the strength or power or ability of God, but just the manner. So we say she maintains that virginity in a great mystery, you know, before, during, and after uh, this, the birth of our Lord even. It does not violate her virginity. St. Thomas said that virginity is consecration, the vow of virginity is a consecration to God of one's whole being, consecration to his service, total reservation for him, total offering and gift to him body and soul. In Romans 8.29, <clears throat> after the famous 8.28, you know, where all things work towards the good, we're told that for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. The firstborn among many brethren. That's what he's talking about in the gospel today, that now, those who do the will of the Father is my brother and sister and mother. This dedication to the Lord, the seeking of his will. That's the new family of God. That's the church. This new we that is formed 
and it's deeper than blood ties or genealogies. Uh, through faith, uh, we belong to the Lord in a new way. And we see this in Mary's virginity. It's the Holy Spirit and plus the Blessed Virgin Mary, you get many brethren, a spiritual fruitfulness of the church and the Holy Spirit, bringing forth divine life, that Mary cooperates with a mother's love and they're bringing about these brothers and sisters of Christ. And also, her virginity manifests God's absolute initiative in the incarnation. It's a virginal conception. There's no biological father. As St. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians, that the first man, Adam, taken from the dust, and the second man is taken from heaven. That what's sown in weakness is raised in power. Sown a physical body, it is raised a spiritual body. The first Adam became a living soul. God breathed the soul. You know, you know God took the dust, formed Adam, breathed the living soul into him. And then the last Adam, the second Adam, the new Adam, Christ, becomes a life-giving spirit through his paschal mystery. His flesh body is transfused with the Holy Spirit given to us in Holy Communion to give us that same spirit through the sacramental life that we have in the church. Just as we have been, just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, Paul writes, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. So all that's to say that the mystery of Christ that takes place in Mary through this virginal conception is repeated. His life is lived in us. His life, love, and freedom is in us. Sometimes it's covered over, sometimes the the first perfect realization in our lives that hasn't happened yet, but it's there because we're joined to him through the sacraments, faith, baptism, confirmation, Eucharist. So Jesus, Paul is referring to as a new Adam, is a new creation. He's the head of a redeemed humanity where we have received grace upon grace. So this new humanity demands a new birth of the children of God, you're adopted by grace, in the womb of the church of which Mary is this first realization, this type, prefigurement that we see in the scriptures. New life because it's virginal, because it is entirely the Spirit's gift to man. Again, the divine initiative. The spiritual character of human vocation is fulfilled perfectly in Mary's uh, virginal motherhood. She's the model disciple, receiving life from God. We receive that to be adopted children in Christ. And a third point of her virginity, her dedication to the Lord, it's virginal because her virginity is the sign of her faith, unadulterated by any doubt, and the gift of herself to God's will. The Immaculate Conception did God's will perfectly this pure faith. Now she grew in that faith the entirety of her life, but it, she never committed sin, so it's this unadulterated faith that keeps her faith in its entirety of purity. It's a pledge to her spouse. St. Augustine would say that she is more blessed because she embraces faith in Christ than because she conceives the flesh of Christ. That's a model for us. Mary 
as symbol and the most perfect realization of the church as virgin, spouse, and mother. She receives the word of God and herself becomes truly a mother in the deepest sense. The church repeats this mystery through the proclamation of the faith, through preaching and baptism, and brings forth children through the baptismal fonts, through her baptismal fonts. And yet, Mary is still needed today, that she helps give the church a maternal face. And Mary, the motherhood of the church, is expressed in a real and concrete way through these personal relationships you know, we all each have with her. And motherhood's about this one-on-one -on -one personal relationship, the individual. And she fosters this relationship with her, bringing us deep into the heart of the church and among ourselves, that she fosters peace and brotherhood within the church that we all are to have with one another. As a woman contributed to death in the garden, Eve, here Mary contributes to life. Death came through Eve, but life through Mary, as the church fathers say. She became the true mother of all the living. Eve was named that because she's at the head of the human race as the mother, and Adam is the head, and Eve's joined to her. They become the first parents, but Mary fulfills that title, that she's the true mother of all the living. We see the work of redemption in her, that God, that she is the one with all who are saved, that she is preeminent and singular member. So she's part of the redeemed. She's redeemed in a, a most excellent way, a pre-redemption. The merits of the cross are applied to her, but she is one with all who are saved. When we look at her, we see the work of redemption, the God's work in her. And yet she has this close and indissoluble tie to us. She's one of us. She has a human nature. And yet, because she's the mother of the Son, daughter of the Father, temple of the Holy Spirit, but especially mother of the Son, she far surpasses all creation in heaven and on earth. She's above the angels because of this motherhood. And her greatness, I think, too, through her fiat, through her faith, that God needed a yes from our humanity. He doesn't violate human freedom. She consented to the message of the angel. She gave this pure, unadulterated answer of faith, her fiat, her yes, and this became the door by which God entered into humanity. John Paul II would say that from Mary, we learn to surrender to God's will in all things. From Mary, we learn to trust even when all hope seems gone. We look at her as the model of faith and trust and hope in the Lord. That's powerful if we just pause about that. Pause. We all are growing in faith. We all have to walk in darkness at times. We all have to trust. And we pray that rosary, we're joining ourselves to Mary's faith, her fiat. And sometimes we lose hope of this transformation that's to happen in our life, with our struggle with sin. When we draw close to Mary, 
that hope is restored in us because she's the model, because she's interceding for us. She's a model of discipleship, not just the church in, in her objective sense, but, but also a discipleship of us, of how we are to live in faith and charity. So we contemplate her, and the truths of our faith, Vatican Sue said, resonate in her. Again, we see the mystery of redemption expressed supremely in her. So the church's motherhood is expressed in showing herself in a personal way through personal relationships. And this is lived out in us in a concrete way through Marian devotion, through the shrines that have been built, through pilgrimages, places of miracles. I mean, it's, it's hard to find a country where there's not some miracle or shrine dedicated to Our Lady, where she's working in our lives in a concrete and personal way. So she's there, especially where grace is distributed, where these devotions and prayers are said. She's there, and we need her. All those devotions and different prayers that we have expresses this need. And it's an inspiration by God that we come to her. Her Immaculate Conception is the anticipation and guarantee that her Immaculate Holiness that will belong to the whole church in heaven at the end of time. That's a source of hope for us. Again, we see that redemption and holiness in her. So we see the church is virginal, in Marian nature, that the church, as the one bride of Christ, leads to the incorruptible permanence of the church in divine truth, that the church possesses this deposit of faith without corruption, without distortion, that sins against the bride's virginal integrity and total dedication to God is falsehood, is distortion, is corruption of the truth. And the church has preserved this when we look at our perennial teachings, the Catholic faith. We see throughout the Old Testament that idol worship's compared with adultery. And Augustine would say, what corrupts the chastity of the virgin spouse is the violation of the church's faith. So Mary, these truths of our faith resonate with a special clarity. Her faith holds them and her mysteries in her life, the mysteries of Christ in her life witness to this work of the Holy Spirit and this revelation of God that is given to us.